Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. First brand that had an impact on you as a young girl. I mean, this is going to probably be cliche, but I I always felt a connection to Nike. I played sports, um, so I loved the imagery that they showed, um, you know, from, you know, having the grit and the determination to accomplish something. So that always that always resonated with me personally. Well, there are a lot of parallels between Nike and Chipotle, honestly. Yeah. Understanding where you started, where you came from, staying true to that. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is Stephanie Perdue, Vice President of Brand Marketing at Chipotle Mexican Grill, a $5.5 billion purpose-driven company with nearly 3,000 restaurants. Stephanie has been a leader in the restaurant world for the past 16 years with leadership stints at Taco Bell, TJI Fridays, and now Chipotle. Stephanie's favorite Chipotle meals are the Whole30 Bowl and the Power Salad. She is an athlete and a former dancer, and both her parents emigrated from Spain and met in the U.S. Since joining Chipotle two years ago, Stephanie has led Chipotle from following culture to creating culture, and they have been dominating the social media space, especially during the pandemic. Chipotle stock is up about two and a half times since Stephanie started, and we will understand why. This is my conversation with Stephanie Perdue. Stephanie, welcome to the CMO Podcast. We are recording this podcast in mid-summer 2020, the most unusual summer I think most of us have had. So I want to start right up front. How the heck is your summer going? Uh, What an unusual year. Thanks for having me, Jim. But yeah, this is one for the ages, for sure. I don't think any of us could have predicted this, but... um, with with disruption comes, you know, pretty amazing change in innovation. So um, on one side, you know, obviously tragic, but on the other side, you know, I think everyone is kind of from a community or business or personal perspective, I think finding some silver linings, which is which is really cool to see. What's the biggest leadership lesson over the last four or five months? Have you kind of relearned or, or learned? 
we've all adapted. We're working differently with our teams, our business models. Some are accelerating, some are decelerating. So tell us what you've learned if you had to boil it down to one lesson. One lesson. I mean, I think that old adage about meeting the consumer where their needs are still is front and center. So I know for Chipotle, uh, you know, with with the pandemic, you know, basically restaurant dining rooms had to close. And um, that means opening up different modes of business. Um, So really getting to what the consumer needed, being there at the right time, at the right place. Um, So we turned on free delivery. We really pivoted our entire marketing and media plan to online ordering, which you think about retail establishments and the importance of a physical location. That's a a major change. Um, Thinking about the consumer psyche when it comes to health and wellness um, and our responsibility. Um, But I think all those changes come down to really meeting the consumer where their needs are. And I think that's a tried and true lesson. When we get past COVID someday, what do you miss most that you hope returns? And what do you hope for you doesn't return that is a permanent change? Uh, What I miss most is live sports in every sense of the word. Turning on the television, watching my nine-year-old play soccer on the weekends. Um, I think there is a camaraderie and a leadership and an excitement and an unpredictability of live sports that I think all of America misses. Um, It's probably why that documentary on Michael Jordan did so well. Um, What I think would be great that keeps going is the innovative spirit that you see, whether it's at a company, um, whether it's at the community level. I mean, just the desire for human connection and doing it in a safe way. People are figuring out whether it's virtual, uh, using social distancing, but they're finding new ways um, to drive that connection. And, um, and with that, I think comes new growth opportunities. What's your biggest habit change difference in COVID? Are you changing uh, how, you know, how you work out or how you, your ritual with your family or what is the biggest yeah, I, I would have to say more time with the family, right? With all the good and bad that comes with it. But, um, you know, I, I love not spending my commute hours um, on the road, but spending them with my, my, I have two girls, a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. And it's just simply better bonding experience um, and getting to, find, getting to see all those little moments that you probably would have missed um, if you were traveling or at work. So I think, I think that's what's really wonderful to see. Yeah. So before getting too far into this podcast, we're going to go through your career and your work, et cetera. We have some personal connections. Do you know what those are? I think UCLA might be one. Yeah, that's good. That's that's the first one. <laughs> well, our second connection is Brian Nickel and, and Chris Brandt. Brian is XP&G, so I knew him when he was really young and forming as a leader. And, and I knew him at Taco Bell. Of course, I knew Chris. So we have that connection as well. In fact, I was interviewing in a situation much like this. I was interviewing Brian two and a half years ago. And he grabbed me after the interview backstage and he said, I'm thinking about going to Chipotle. What do you think? And I said, go for it. What a perfect time to join. And you have all the skills. It needs your love. It needs a turnaround. It needs a return to fundamentals. And of course, he took the job and the rest is history. So I'd like you to talk about Brian a little bit in your relationship with him. You work with him at Taco Bell. 
and you were there quite a bit. We'll talk about that later. And the relationship between, you know, the CMO, the head of marketing with the CEO and the CFO is really special. And there's new research by LinkedIn about the problematic relationships many heads of marketing have with their CFO and CEO. You obviously have a pretty good thing going with Brian. So tell us a little bit about what others could learn from how you work with your CEO. Yeah, uh, I mean, Brian Nichols is an outstanding leader. He has the results no matter where he goes. And I think uh, it's one of the things that he has a growth mindset. And it's something that he promotes in every sense of the word. And uh, what that means is, again, I started the podcast by saying meeting the consumer where their needs are. Um, and Brian does that. He is consumer first. Um and he's always making the decisions that are right by the business, by the right by the community, and by the people that work at our company. Um, and I think it's that balanced approach that really helps you get to amazing outcomes that drive growth and drive growth in the right way. Um, I started working with him, I believe it was 2011, when he first came to Taco Bell um, I was a senior director of marketing. I worked with him um, and left Taco Bell as a chief product marketing officer. So I've had a lot of experience uh, working with him. Um, he pushes the, the envelope for creativity and innovation. And that's something that I respond to well. I love creating things that don't exist. Um, I love challenging the status quo. And those are all attributes of Brian. Um, and he does it through that consumer lens. And I think you're seeing it at Chipotle, you know, with the turnaround, you're seeing his commitment to real food. That's something that's unwavering. I know he got a lot of questions when he started, are you going to make this like Taco Bell? And he said, no, I'm going to double down on food with integrity. I'm going to double down on what Chipotle stands for. And he's been unwavering in that commitment. And um, he, see, he saw the consumer need to give consumers more access to Chipotle through digital channels. And he put his money where his mouth is and invested resources, time, and um, really put us in a, a good position to weather this crisis. Um, and our digital business is seeing tremendous growth. Um, and so, you know, someone who's working for Brian the second time, uh, you know, often I like to say for both Brian and Chris, it's not often that you go and work for the same leader again. It truly means there's something about them that motivates you, um, that inspires you. And, and, and that's why I came to Chipotle um, to work with both Brian and Chris, because as an innovator, as a marketer, that's the best environment to be in, what I just described. Yeah. You use the words growth mindset, and then you talk about the culture and Brian and what's special about the culture you created there. Could you? Drill down a little bit more on that concept of growth mindset. What does that look and feel like? What could other leaders do to build that? It's a term that's thrown around a lot. Yeah. Along with, you know, and I don't think we unpack it enough. So if you could sort of unpack that a bit, if others would like to reapply sort of what's going on at your company, what are some of the principles? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's not just wild abandonment around anything that can grow the business and grow revenues and profits. It's, a, it's definitely a focused approach, but it's one where you're going after the big things that move the business. And then you're resourcing them 
accordingly. You know, it's one thing to have ideas on paper, but it's another thing to mobilize an organization against those goals Um, and making sure that at every step of the way, whether it's your supply chain, whether it's operations, whether it's the people that work in your retail establishments, that they're sharing in those common goals. Um, And so uh, that's, I think a growth mindset isn't just held by one person. A growth mindset is held by an organization. And as a leader, you have to knock down those obstacles to keep that growth mindset going. And, um, and being afraid to, not being afraid to um, try new things, which some work and some don't. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons for organizations. I've, I've spent a lot of time, I've, I've probably launched hundreds of new products. And when someone asks, what's the key to success? I always say failure. And it's not failure that's not purposeful. It's failure where you learn something from it. And then you move on and you evolve and you create something amazing because of that learning. Um, And so going back to your question, Brian fosters that environment, that growth mindset comes through because you have an environment to both succeed and fail and providing those resources and hiring talent to get after those shared goals. We're going to back up in your career in a moment, but you brought up this idea of you've launched hundreds of things and you've had failures that have led to better things. What is the biggest, most notable and most developmental failure you've had to date in your career? Um, you know, I think I, I've, had the, I've had the privilege of working with franchisees and small business owners, and I've had to come to them with a lot of crazy ideas. Open up a new day part. Um, extend your hours, uh, put in this new piece of equipment, uh, change your pricing. Um, And so those all didn't work. Um, Some of them did, though, and created, you know, billion dollar platforms for companies um, collectively through the organization. But um, I can tell you that, you know, definitely one of those didn't work. And I had to make um, amends and figure that out professionally and personally. But um, why they put um, confidence in me is because of that innovative spirit and wanting to lead using, um, we use a stage gate process. And so um, there's going to be failures in that process. And I think when you have big ones, a lot of times on the flip side, there's a lot of home runs. And so I think, I think it balances out. <laughs> so it obviously has for, for me, you. <laughs> it, yes, it has. So I think, um, I can imagine more than more than one of those, but um, I think the, again, using a disciplined stage gate process has helped me le- uh, manage through those failures through my career and ultimately get to more successes. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. You left UCLA Anderson and you started in the quick serve restaurant casual dining industry, and you've been there about 15, 16 years. You were at three iconic companies, really. Taco Bell, TGI Friday, and now Chipotle. Two of them have thrived. One has not. So I would like you to talk about why. What could other brand builders learn from that? Because two, Taco Bell and Chipotle, have have thrived spectacularly. TGIF, not so much. Yeah, you know, I think I spent 13 years at Taco Bell, and um, we were a challenger in the category there. And so... 
Um, we ha- had ups and downs, but I think uh, a thread is the investment and in innovation. Um, a thread is uh, understanding your purpose as a brand um, and your target customer and never deviating from that. Um, and I think the casual dining sector, whether it's TGI Fridays, I actually came for that challenge. Um, knew that the category was challenged for over a decade. Um, but how could you revitalize a brand in that sector? Um, and, you know, I think for me, that sector, you know, was seeing declining traffic over dec- decades, no matter what brand you are. And it was, a bit, again, I think that, that loss of focus of what the consumer needs are um, with younger generations wanting to access you on a phone and wanting the convenience and speed of Amazon and the and with all the customization and all the quality um, that they expect from physical locations, I think that that sector was late to the game in developing out that carry out and off premise business. So at Fridays, I really focused on that. Um, we doubled the off premise business while I was there from five to ten percent. Um, but you know, I think it's that you have to continue to have that mindset of evolving, of innovating, of meeting the customer where their needs are and resourcing it. Um, and, you know, at Chipotle, um, you know, what I, what I love seeing is that the purpose is strong. And um, it's the first time I've been at a company where the purpose has been unwavering for 27 years from the beginning that the founder created the concept to today in 2020. And that's really special. And so I really love this opportunity that I have right now um, to really drive that purpose forward. And I think um, one of the things that Brian saw, as we talked about Brian Nickel two years ago, is he saw all of the innovation opportunities that existed and that were nascent in the business. And as a, a new leadership team over the last two years, we've focused on those growth opportunities. So again, Understanding that the consumer wanted more access to Chipotle, investing in digital, understanding that the customer wanted new menu items from Chipotle um, and launching um, new initiatives that really drove new customers into the brand, Um, driving a a new loyalty program that really connected that relationship to the brand, to who the consumer is. And so I, I, I use these examples to show the innovation in just two years. So again, it's that innovative mindset that I think makes a company thrive over the long term. Was that a tough call going from Taco Bell to Fridays? And tell us a bit, we all make leaps, right, to different companies and career choices. What was in your head in going? And then, you know, you you had a relatively brief tenure there and you came to Chipotle. So tell us, you know, how you how and why you made those decisions. Yeah, um, I like challenges. So, you know, I think throughout my career, you'll see that we've talked already about kind of home runs and failures. And I I like challenges. I like creating things that don't exist. So for me, turning around a casual dining company um, through innovation was an interesting challenge. I think what I learned is, you know, as I mentioned, um, the wins come from a successful team that starts from the CEO all the way to the field. Um, and I think that shared vision of resourcing, uh, initiatives and being, uh, willing to be, to be risky in terms of, um, how you approach new things 
that has to be a shared mindset. And so that was one of my big lessons because I think it was a little bit varied across that particular organization. Um, And so really to make impactful change, that's got to be consistent at every level of the company. You mentioned you were at Taco Bell for 13 years. Mm -hmm. So that's a long time. So you saw a lot of things in that time. So I, I guess it's probably your most defining experience to date, right? Most, most defining about who you are as a leader. Uh, I would like you to talk about that. You know, what was the, I know this close to customer you've talked about, innovation, being close to the franchisees. But if there is one thing about that Taco Bell experience that has set you up for success after that, and obviously you're on a great run now, which we'll talk about in a moment at Chipotle, what is it? about that experience at Taco Bell? For me, I think it was the importance of differentiation. Um, I really felt to my core and I felt it in the organization that they wanted to challenge the status quo. We even called it a category of one. And I think where fast food can be a commodity, um, I think there's a real importance around defining the brand in a way that doesn't lump you into the rest of the category. Um, Defining the brand in a way that you connect with your customers in an emotional way that they will defend you to the core and whether voting for their wallets or on social media, um, that passion uh, that that Taco Bell built up from the start um, for them, I think was was something that I wanted to champion and I want to continue to champion no matter what, what brand I'm at. Um, I think that it's probably something that a lot of people can't put a value on, but that passion from the customer base is an incredibly valuable asset. And what you do with it is, you know, a responsibility as a, as a marketing leader to continue to fan those flames. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So Chipotle now, you've been there two, two and a half years. You know, you're part of the team. Brian's been there about, your CEO, about two and a half years. This has been a textbook brand. I don't know, restage, I guess is the right word, or, or a, I don't know, doubling down on your purpose and your fundamentals. And so I think it's, there's so much to learn from it. Uh, and so I'd like you to talk a bit about, you know, if you were to write a playbook about what's happened in this restage, what would that playbook look like? You know, what would the chapters be? Uh, because you're, you're just really on a tear. And, uh, and it's, and it's a very, very deliberate tear. And I think you're doing everything in harmony with the original idea of the brand when it was founded so many years ago. 
So what, what, could, what could others learn from that playbook? Yeah, I think a lot of times, I think we all hear as marketers going back to a brand's DNA and staying true to that. I think that was definitely the first place we started. Um, and, you know, I think we were, we were wanting to uh, really wears, raise awareness of Chipotle's longstanding commitment to responsible sourcing, real ingredients, real culinary techniques. So from a marketing standpoint, um, one of the things we set to do is create a brand campaign that really um, hit that home. Um, and so um, the other thing we were looking to do candidly is really build trust with the consumer. What really happens in the Chipotle kitchen? So um, in 2019, we launched a new brand campaign called Behind the Foil. It was filmed by um, award-winning documentarian Errol Morris, who was just perfect for this opportunity because he loves getting real out of people, the real experience. And so he interviewed 50 of our employees unscripted in our kitchens, and they talked about how we, um, every morning, you know, make our food fresh, you know, make our guacamole from scratch, 48 avocados in every batch of guacamole. Their passion for food was something that was contagious. It was something that was authentic and, and real. And that really, that campaign um, that we've uh, launched in 2019 over 2020 um, really helped cement brand perceptions, drove sales and transactions into Chipotle and built that consumer trust around what's, what's going on in Chipotle's kitchen which was something that was really important to know. And that idea of, of real and of cultivating a better world permeated all of our marketing actions. So I can give you, I give you a ton of examples around, you know, how we, we brought our 53 real ingredients to the forefront. You know, we had um, the best spellers in the U S spell our ingredients versus our competitors ingredients, which you can imagine the competitors listening ingredients that. being a whole bunch of things that you can't pronounce and it was, you know, a really fun way to bring that positioning of the brand to life. Um, and I think we never lost focus um, after telling the story of real and continuing that um, consistently and uh, not getting tired of that um, to look for ways to activate our brand purpose around cultivating a better world. And so I think that's really come out in, in COVID. Um, and during these times, you know, um, we found opportunities to feed the front line, um, you know, over 200,000 burritos, setting up um, gift cards to allow the front line to get the protective equipment through those consumer contributions. Um, and, you know, I gave you the example of farmers. We're looking for ways to continue to grow that next generation of farmers. So one of the things that we did in the last two years was take a hard look at the, the agricultural industry. We noticed that farmers, um, our median age is over 58. And we said, it, we set out to say, you know, how are we going to protect the real, the future of real food as a brand? We need to get more younger farmers into the business. Um, so what we did is set aside seed grants and three, um, long-term contracts to get those young farmers going. Um, and we just had our first class of seed grant recipients. And those seed grant recipients happen to be two thirds women and um, uh, wow. people of color. So it's it's definitely the first of many brand actions that we feel is important to continue to drive that real food. 
Um, so I talked a little bit about staying true to the brand positioning, staying mm-hmm. true to your purpose. And I think, you know, I think the last thing is um, the, the power of digital. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing when you think about retail and where it's going. Um, the, re- the restaurant industry has been kind of one of, I think, slow to adopt. Um, and it's always been protected, I think, from the physical location of getting the food. Um, but what we learned with with Chipotle is that um, our food travels well. We have a young customer. They're highly engaged with mobile. Um, and why wouldn't we create some new business models through delivery, through ordering ahead and picking up through mobile sh- um, mobile pickup? Why wouldn't we create those new occasions for our customers? And um, and you know we even have something called a Chipotle, which you don't even have to leave your car. You basically order on your phone. You pull up. You know, hasn't been done in the restaurant industry, a mobile pickup lane. Um, and I think those are all the opportunities that the leadership team saw when we got here was like, we've got to tell the story of real food. This 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 purpose that the whole company has around sharing, um, cultivating a better world. Let's double down and let's continue to give our customers new reasons and new occasions to come to Chipotle on their terms. It sounds like you're innovating and and ideating even more quickly than you did pre-COVID. Is that true? And, and if so, how, how have you been able to manage that as a leadership group? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think all, all businesses are kind of in this position, you know? Um, you know, I think for us, it was being okay with reworking the playbook, right? You know, oftentimes you've got a playbook you've got, you've got these, these projects that you have resourced and they're going full steam. And I think with this disruption, we took a step back and said, okay, we need to rewrite the playbook. And if that conversation wasn't had on a weekly basis, honestly, we had it on a daily basis and there was a lot of extreme pivots. Um, and it was about keeping some of the longer term projects going that were worth investing and still believing in but also making a lot of short-term commitments and, and pivots um, to, to respond real-time with what's going on in the world. Um, and I think any company that doesn't do that, I think they're going to miss the opportunities um, with this huge consumer shift in behavior. Um, and so um, I think it was still taking that growth mindset, but um, with some radical constraints um, and finding those ways for the brand still to grow despite those, mm-hmm. those obstacles. Our listeners are always interested in what senior marketing leaders do. So what's the work? What's the job? You know, what are your major KPIs? So could you dig into that a bit for us? You know, what, what is your work? If you had to put it into buckets, what would they be? And, and how are you measured? Sure. Um, you know, I think, from, um, you know, first is brand advertising. So how are we telling the story of real for Chipotle? Um, and our KPIs are ones that, you know, we own in the category using unprocessed ingredients, um, you know, um, healthy and nutritious food, um, you know, really telling that story of food with integrity. And so, um, you know, from a brand standpoint, I, I, I love this part of Chipotle. There's so much to talk about um, from who we work with 
to how we prepare ingredients in the restaurant um, to what the benefits of, you know, fresh and healthy food is. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's one of the things I'm thinking about day in and day out. Um, another part of my job is menu innovation. So, you know, prior to getting to Chipotle, they really had a static menu. I think they had, you know, about two additions in the last 10 years. Um, so my charge was to bring an insight driven innovation stage gate model to Chipotle and, uh, create meaningful innovation and not innovation for innovation's sake. Um, I've, I've definitely been at companies where you've, you've had to reinvent, um, you know, every five weeks, but this was a, this was a fun charge to really feel what, what, what did we really need to grow the business and to address consumer dissatisfiers and needs. Um, I love that. Uh, it's what gets me energized every day. So um, that was that was a huge part of my job. And then um, another part of my job is partnerships and sponsorships. So who we should align with as a brand, um, specifically in, in sports and music and gaming. Uh, Chipotle has has been um, really a first mover, mover in e-gaming. Um, we have we sponsor a team, Hundred Thieves. Um, and I, I can tell you during this COVID crisis where gaming hours are ratcheting up, it's been a really smart play for us. Um, and then I think um, within sports, uh, it's the first time where I've been at a restaurant company where athletes not, are not paid to use us. They, they just do because they really believe that what they put in their body affects their training. So that's one of the things that we've been nurturing and developing is those relationships, um, specifically um, within soccer and the NBA um, and within college football. Um, and then I think about the local community work. Um, so I have another team that is responsible for, uh, making Chipotle relevant at the local level, which has historically been a huge success for Chipotle. If you think about grassroots marketing, you think about fundraising, their leader in fundraising. Um, we, we have invested millions of dollars in schools. Um, so telling those stories at the local level and, um, making that Chipotle relevant whether it's through fundraising or local sourcing. So those are just some, some fun parts of my job that I do day in and day out. And obviously I have a responsibility to create an environment to, to, to generate future marketing leaders. So, um, and I'm, and I'm lucky that I have a super talented team um, with the really diverse backgrounds um, that have been critical to this two-year turnaround. So Stephanie, that was a great overview of your work. So I want to ask you this. You're you just do some amazing brand storytelling. It's so creative. It's so interesting. I love it. What makes that work? Is it your, obviously you have passion for it. Is it your partners, what you ask of them, the relationship between your partner, among your partners? So what is the magic behind your amazing storytelling? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I think it starts with the culture that you create in your your organization. And I, I, I'm lucky I work with Chris Brandt and Tressie Lieberman and a lot of other talented individuals. And um, we're all passionate about ideas and championing the creativity of our group, um, really allowing ideas to come from anywhere, uh, whether it's agency partners, whether it's someone who's just started at Chipotle. Uh, you know, whether it's a different department, I think we really champion a culture of creativity. 
Um, we have fabulous agency partners that are super collaborative, uh, you know, that are willing to get on the phone day in and day out, hear changes to marketing plans, really dig deep to understand why we're, we're making these changes. You can imagine over the last few months, there's been, been quite a few changes. And, um, you know, they have the, the tenacity and the, and the drive to continue to, what can Chipotle do next? And I love that hunger. Um, so we really, we really want um, our agencies to feel that excitement. I think that's why they get up to, to do something new and different. Um, and then we, you know, we have a fabulous insights group. You know, I, I think, I still think people underscore the power of insights, you know, and um, I think people mistake that research, you know, when, when used incorrectly can, can paralyze you too much data, but insights done the right way um, can, can be a powerful tool, you know, cultural insights, really understanding the, the data from your digital business. Um, looking at, um, you know, I talked about the stage gate model and the feedback we get from consumers along the way can be key changes in positioning. So, you know, I, I think we're champions of data, champions of creativity and, um, really making sure that fire is, is going in everyone to, to really push the brand to, to new heights. At the end of the quarter or the year, whenever you do it, or at the end of the day, I don't know, when you talk to Chris and Brian about your performance as VP of marketing at Chipotle, what are some of the things you look at? I, I suspect you look at traffic and market share and loyalty and communication effectiveness. Is there anything that might surprise us in terms of how your performance is evaluated? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you definitely hit some big ones, Jim. But, um, you know, I think the traffic is the lifeblood of any restaurant company or retail establishment. But I think beyond that, um, it's, it's the brand equity metrics and how we're, we're continuing to tell that story that, that really separates Chipotle from the pack. Um, and again, that commitment to real food, responsibly raised, you know, sourced from farmers and prepared fresh in our restaurants every day. If we're not hitting that, uh, we're not doing our job. Um, and then really breakthrough results on digital. I mean, that is something that I can tell you has, has Brian's prints all over it. And for good reason, I think, you know, if, if we didn't have the digital business that we, we have now, it would have been a different story for Chipotle. Um, and so we, we, we were constantly looking at that. Um, and I, I think, and honestly, um, you know, I think from an operation standpoint, especially for restaurants, you can have the best marketing in the world, but if you're not backed up by great operations, the brand's promise falls flat. Um, so it's something that we're always looking at and understanding the complexity of an initiative and how the team members in the restaurants um, are feeling mental health, the amount of work, uh, their, their belief in the purpose and understanding of what the corporate headquarters is doing. Um, those are all things that are super important. So I would say those are all the health, the health of your, your team in the field is an, is another important KPI. So you spoke a lot there about measuring against your purpose with your, your partners in the stores and with your communications. Is there any learning in that for our team? And that's a, it's a big opportunity, I think, in our industry to measure purpose 
more quantitatively and link it to our business. Is there anything you're doing that we can learn from? Um, I mean, I know, Jim, you talk a lot about purpose, and I think it's, it's, it's probably something a lot of organizations have really looked to do over the last few years. Um, but I, I think, you know, is your purpose core to your business? Is your purpose supported from the CEO to the field? Um, it, does your purpose stay on a piece of paper or do you really take action against it? So I think those are all things that we think about and kind of live by every day in and day out. And I think as we encourage companies and brands to follow that purpose, I think those are all litmus tests that you have to use. Otherwise, it kind of stays on a really pretty strategy document and goes nowhere. Um, and I, I can't I can't stress the importance of of the, the of the the people that are working in our restaurants, believing and feeling that purpose and understanding the decisions that are going in the business. We wouldn't have pulled off that advertising campaign that I talked to you about if they didn't fervently believe in the purpose. We did not have to script them. They talked about how they basically shuck avocados and cut jalapenos and cut whole heads of lettuce and 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 they were proud of that freshness. They were proud to work at Chipotle and they knew where their food came from. I, that's not something I need to create. Um, and that and that's that's super powerful and fun as a marketer. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. That's a beautiful segue into the last segment of this podcast, which is a bit of a lightning round about you and other issues and brand purpose. So we'll go a little quickly through this, but it'll give our, our listeners, I think, more depth into who you are as a leader and as a person. And the first one's a really tough question. So you're going to have to think about this one a long time. So what is your customized burrito, Stephanie? Uh, I am a salad power user. So I am a salad bowl, um, which has awesome super greens, kale, spinach, and romaine. Um, the Whole30 Bowl, if you haven't tried yeah. it, is a game changer. Um, it's under 500 calories, and it basically tastes like full-blown Chipotle, but um, with you know le- less calories, and it's got guacamole, it's got chicken, it's got our fajita veggies, um, and it's fantastic. So I could probably eat that for lunch every day, but I do, I do skip around the menu. Um, but, um, that's my, one of my go-to orders. How many times a week are you eating Chipotle food? At least twice a week. My, my kids love it. So, um, they're like, mom, you know, get, give me that Chipotle quesadilla. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's not the love about it, right? Is there a brand that you would really have trouble living without right now? I mean, I, I can't believe the resurgence in baking and cooking at home right now. So um, I, I, there's a lot of brands that come to mind, but um, what, a, what a powerful opportunity for the CPG industry right now. Um, and, you know, I'm having fun baking with my kids, 
um, doing making things that we've never made before and introducing them to the beauty of food and, and cooking. So that's been a, a really fun experience. And I have to say, I'm glad I got a Peloton before the wait list. So that's <laughs> right. been, been clutch. Yeah, super. If you were not working in the restaurant business, what, what would you be working in? It's such a tough question. I get asked that a lot. I mean, I just love food. I it would have to be something related to food. I mean, maybe um, working with chefs in a different way, but um, I love Top Chef. I love going to restaurants. I love cooking. Um, uh, so I, I often tell um, our executive chef at Chipotle that I'm going to go to cooking school. So I think that's what I would be doing and hopefully mm-hmm. coming up with a new concept of my own. Is your maiden name Italian? It's Spanish. So yeah, Spanish. I'm first generation. Uh, my parents are from Spain. Um, yeah. And so they immigrated here. And um, yeah. Got it. Uh, well, it's a pretty good, that's a pretty good food country too. It is. The Gallegos, where yeah. we're from. Gallego, um, cheese, bread, wine, empanadas. Perfect. I'm ready for lunch. We better wrap this up. <laughs> so are you reading a book right now that's interesting? Or you have you read a book in the past year or two that's been influential? You just did your book list. I think I need to catch up on your book list, to be honest. Um, but, you know, right now I'm a, I'll be honest, I'm a reading books with my, my, my nine-year-old. So um, she's a voracious reader. So we um, are reading Harry Potter. Mm. Um, we're on book four. Um, but um, uh, in terms of business books, I'll probably get a list from you and maybe you could share. But We'll do that offline. I just started Fanocracy, um, so I, but I can't, I can't speak to how it's going to go yet. But um, it's a book that I heard some good, um, good stuff on in terms of driving word of mouth. Super. Any podcasts that are, you're listening to lately, uh, series you're streaming? Um, I, I really enjoyed The Last Dance. I mean, what a great way to see the authenticity of what happens in sports um, behind the scenes. I grew up watching the Lakers and the Bulls. So I, I just loved um, watching every part of that dynasty. Um, and I, I didn't know a lot of things. So I thought that was fascinating. I think people right now have a voracious appetite for authenticity and, and really kind of seeing everyone at their most real and vulnerable state. And I, um, I think that was pretty powerful. And I hope to see more content like that. Yeah, me too. What are your rituals to stay fresh and creative? Um, definitely working with amazing people. I think um, a lot of times we'll bounce ideas off some of my colleagues um, and we've, we've created relationships where we can build upon each other's ideas. And I think that's, that's amazing. I think getting outside of your category is super important. Um, I always, um, I follow some of the brands that I just love as a consumer and I look at what they're doing and, and kind of try to find a parallel or how to, how to drive, how to drive that innovation, um, back to Chipotle. Um, just, just even from a consumer experience standpoint. Um, and then just, you know, I think I just, there's so much going on in the real world in terms of news right now. I think it's so critical to, have your heartbeat on, on the changing consumer sentiment and, and just all the news out there, what's happening. Um, cause it's changing on a daily basis. I think that's one of the tough things for companies to navigate right now. That's, that's pretty much how I'm spending my time to keep fresh. Yeah. Who has been the most important mentor in your life? My, the most important mentor, I have to say my parents. Um, I talk a lot about being, um, first generation and really seeing the, 
the fight of of immigrants to come into this country to assimilate to um, go from nothing, leave their family behind, and create something. Um, so I got to see that day in and day out, and that's what drove me as a person to want to succeed um, because of all the things my parents gave up for me. Um, and I think it's just brave. And um, I just feel really fortunate to to have lived and been brought up in that environment because um, it, it, it brings a spirit in you that um, you really feel like you can accomplish anything if you put your mind to it. So I would say my parents, they just celebrated their 50th anniversary and I just wax poetic on them on, uh, in social media because they're, they're my biggest mentors. What, at what age did they move from Spain? My mom was 18. So she moved from Galicia to New York. Um, and my dad came here when he was around two to California they met in California. Um, so. An American romance. Yes. Who would you like to hear, Stephanie, on the CMO podcast? Who would be interesting and inspiring for you to listen to? Uh, it would be interesting. I mean, I would, I would probably look at the retail as the sector. I think they're going through radical change right now. So, um, you know, how are they, how are they adjusting for the customer experience? Because just like restaurants. Um, they haven't had the opportunity for people to come in. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's, whether it's a Nordstrom or, you know, I think those apparel companies that are having to do business so, so much differently and go direct to consumer, um, through, through e-commerce, I think, I think it would be fascinating to take a listen and, and think about that in this post COVID world. We'll see what we can do. We, we had the Levi's CMO on the podcast. Maybe we should bring her back mm. and talk about this because they have, have whole, whole channels that have stopped and they were really on fire going into COVID. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see how they're adjusting. Yep, definitely. Stephanie, this has been wonderful to get to know you better, uh, to sort of get into your experiences in your life. Uh, I love many of the themes you brought up. You know about breaking the the mold, the silos, innovating, uh, being stagecake driven. It's been a wonderful interview, full of learning, full of personality. So I appreciate it very much. Hey, well, thanks for the opportunity. I know you talked to a lot of people. So this is it's been wonderful. And um, if there's anything I can do for you, too, let me know. So appreciate it. Burritos. <laughs> <laughs> that was my conversation with Stephanie Perdue. I loved how she spoke about being a chronic innovator. Just she is nothing stands in her way. She looks at big ideas big challenges and develops plans to do that. She's very process driven, but also very creative. I loved how she spoke about not accepting the status quo, reworking the playbook. She's a great leader during COVID. I loved how she spoke about her relationship with her CMO and her CEO and how that is so productive and how they're creating a culture of growth and a growth mindset. That's it for this episode of the CMO podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.